Welcome to Building a Brand with Clifton Alexander. This is the podcast that focuses on how to build a standout brand as well as scaling your business, giving you tips on marketing and advertising with special one-on-one interviews with celebrities and industry professionals on how they built their brand. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of How to Build a Celebrity Brand with Clifton Alexander. Today, we have Kent Falcon on the line. He is an actor, director, producer, and writer. He's worked with Tyler Perry. He's worked in uh, he's worked on so- movies such as Men in Black. He's worked with BET and an array of other films that you've probably heard and have seen in CIS. And today, we're going to have him on the show to talk about how it is being an actor, how to get more roles, and so on and so on. So, Kent, how are you doing there? Hey, Cliff, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me out. All right. So you were in Tyler Perry's uh, TV show. It was a a hit TV show, For Better or Worse, correct? For Better or Worse, yeah. We did that show for six years. It was cool. It was a crazy experience recently when he opened his his new studio down there, which is a fortress, which is amazing. Uh, He honored my cast and some of the other original cast from his shows with uh, our own stars on his Walk of Fame, which was actually, uh, it was cool, man. It was a nice, nice honor. It will forever be immortalized that, you know, that, you know, we helped him build what he's got. So that was very cool. That's pretty nice. So how was it being on a TV show for that long? You know, it's, you know, as an actor, you know, it's one of those rare times when you have, you know, stability, you know, when you, when, (laughs) you know, our, our, the nature of what we do is from one thing to the next to the next. So oftentimes, you know, people ask, hey, you know, what do you got going on? And a lot of times you don't know. It's like, I have no idea. And that's the blessing and the curse because, you know, the phone rings and your life changes. But my time there, you know, six years, we did 165 episodes. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a blessing, you know, to have the stability. It was a blessing to be able to work with the cast, you know, we really were like family. So that, that made the job that much more enjoyable. It's just one of those rare things, you know, that not many actors get that chance to have that sense of stability. So that's, that's what I would say what it was like. It was like, it was nice. It was nice to know that, you know, you, you had something coming. Okay. So when you're doing that, how many days out of the year are you working per season? Well, well, you know, Tyler's very different from any other any other place I've worked in this industry, you know, going on 20 plus years, man. He um, sometimes, depending on his schedule, you know, we would be we would go from doing one episode a day to there was a time when we did four episodes in one day. So four episodes in one day. Four <laughs> episodes. Yeah. And sometimes we wouldn't know that that was happening until the night before when we'd finished wrapping a show. It's like, ah, you know. Tyler's got to fly out and do Medea, I don't know, whatever his shows he's doing. And so we need to get four of these done tomorrow. And you're looking at the clock, you're like, man, I got 60 plus pages of dialogue <laughs> to lock in by tomorrow and be funny, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, so it was kind of like that. So that his schedule could vary. We could shoot, sometimes we could shoot 20 episodes in three weeks or sometimes, you know, those 20 episodes could take 10 weeks. It would just depend on the schedule. And so you had to be extremely flexible, which was, that's a blessing and a curse as well, you know, because you can't really plan your life living like that. Right. But, you know, you take the, you take the good with the bad, man. So, so 
normally on a regular TV show, you know, especially a sitcom that's in front of a live audience, you know, they take a week to shoot. You know, you have your table read day and then you have your rehearsals and then you have two tape nights or one tape night, depending. I remember, I think this was maybe season three. I'd finished working uh, with Tyler and I flew back to L.A. and I was doing a guest spot on the show called The X's, which is was on uh, Nick at Night with uh, Donald Faison and all these guys. Right. So I remember showing up and, you know, we sat down, we did table read. I think call time was like nine o'clock or something like that. And then around we did the table read. So it was about 10, 15 and the, you go, OK, guys, um, that's it for the actors. We're going to go back and do a few rewrites or whatever you guys are good, done for the day. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, we'd be finishing, <laughs> really? we'd be finishing up an episode with Tyler. What you mean? We, we just going to read it and go, <laughs> go home. Wait, ho- hold on, man. So it, the pace is just much, much slower wow. here in LA. So Tyler's just very different that way. You know, he, he works extremely fast. I think when, I think we got there one season, they had just finished shooting the first Boo movie, right? And so some of the hair and makeup people who had done both were sitting around talking. It's like, man, he shot that thing, I think, in six days. Wow. A feature film in six days. So he's just, he's different, brother. He, he's like a whole nother animal. That's amazing. So where do you stay when you're shooting the season? Do you go fly back and forth? No, uh, like early on, we first did, you know, our seasons were broken up. We came, we did 10, and then we came back and did 55, and then we came back and did 20, and then we did 35. So it was all kind of sporadic like that. So for long stretches, what would happen is production would put you up in corporate housing, right? You know, they'd find you an okay. apartment, you know, and you would get a car and that sort of thing. Oh, wow. Then I think they moved to people could find their own housing and they would provide a stipend. I, I never chose that option, man. I just didn't want the headache of having to deal with the landlord. You know, I was like, yeah, if something goes down with this yeah. apartment, I want production to have to handle it, man. I, you know, I got, I got 60 pages of dialogue to get ready tomorrow. I can't be trying to track somebody down talking about the toilet is leaking, right? So, that's true. yeah, so that, that, that's how we, the living arrangements work. Okay. So that's not, that's not bad yeah. then. So you would stay for weeks at a time, then you would, and then when you were done shooting that season, right. you would then, now, would you shoot multiple seasons at a time? Because you said you came back and shot 55, right. like 55 episodes. Yeah, 55 episodes. You know, I can't remember if they ended up, I think they did break that down to two separate seasons. And then from then on, it was more of a regular schedule. We'd go and we shoot a season or what have you. So, yeah, oh, okay. our, our show was a little unique in that he was transitioning from his what was that show? Not Meet the Browns, the one before that. Oh, House of Pain, right? So, you know, he got House of Pain done. You know, he fronted, the, they call it the Tyler Perry model, right? Where he fronts the 10 episodes, they run it for a season, and then a network buys the back 90, right? And so that's how you get your 100 episodes and you get syndication right off the bat, right? So we were in a transition from that model where we did our first 10 at TBS TBS didn't come back and get 90. They think they got 55. And so we did that. And then he and Oprah got together and started their collaboration. So our show, our show moved from TBS to OWN. And so that's when our model changed. We weren't doing those big bulk episode orders like we were at TBS. So it was a little bit of a transition. And you know now he's since moved on to BET. So yeah, so some things changed. Hmm. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. So 
you know, that is obviously what every actor dreams of getting that, right. that recurring role on a TV series, right. especially at a, on a network like, you know, OWN and TBS and things like right. that. Tell us about the the earlier days, the earlier struggle. How how was that as an actor? You know, that's <laughs> it's still here. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> okay. Listen, it's it's it is the nature of the beast. You know, I used to think when I came out of drama school, I would always think, oh, you know, once I got a series regular or this, that, and the other, you know, things would open up and it would be easier. And I would like to tell any young artist or even artists that are in the struggle right now it never gets easier. You know, you fight and claw, you fight and claw and you, you get, you have continue the hustle never stops. And so you either have to accept that that's the way life is or choose to do something else. You know, I mean, even your biggest name stars, if you go to them and say, what's it like, what's going on, they will share with you their disappointments about what they couldn't get or something that they wanted that, you know, the producers either didn't see them that way or they couldn't get it off the ground or this, that, and the other. So my early days was just, you know, kind of like still now, you know, where, you know, every now and then I'm, I'm still offered things, which is great. I've kind of gotten that point, but more often than not, man, I'm, I still need to, I have to go in the room and win that job, you know, um, battling forces that a lot of times are out of my control, you know, is, is, uh, does the network already have a deal with somebody that, you know, they, they've already got money invested in somebody. So they got to recoup that money, even though I may be better for the part, you know, you, you, you have those kind of situations and you, what can you do? Can't, uh, you can't beat that. Right. Mm -hmm. So you, you just got to go in and do your best, lay down your best work. I often try to look at my auditions as I'm not necessarily auditioning for this job, I'm auditioning for the next job or the next project that comes through. And I want to leave that impression on that casting director to go, oh, wait a minute. Uh, you remember, you remember Kent from when he came in for so-and-so? That's, that's, that's all I can, can try to control to do, you know, because there's so many factors that are out of my control in terms of why I get a job or not. And so that's what life was like before. And that's kind of what life is like now, man. You know, you, you're hustling, trying to get the next thing, trying to keep your eye out, ear to the ground, you know, and hopefully you work mm -hmm. long enough that people start giving you a call, you know, to say, you know, hey, give me, uh, I got this for you. You know, like my, the principal role on Blackish, you know, Kenya, I had known him from working on shows where uh, it was a show called Like Family. It was on the, the WB. That's how far it goes back, right? He was a writer on that show. I was playing Holly Robinson, Pete's younger brother. So we struck up a friendship from there. You know, we see each other at the barbershop here and then the other. And, and, you know, I got a call and said, hey, man, uh, you want to come in and, and will you play this, you know, the role of the principal for the, for the young kids? And I was like, yeah, of course, man, you know. And so there are those, there were those times when those opportunities like that happen, but more often than not, brother, you know, is I get an email from the agent, say, hey, you got an appointment for this, you know, going for that. It's either for the producers and the director or, you know, every now and then a casting director that may not know me personally wants to see me first. And hey, man, no, no shame in the game. Yeah, I'll go. I'll do the pre-read. Yeah, let, let her see. Let us <laughs> see what I can do. And then uh, we'll take it from there. OK, so. If you're someone as like a Denzel, you obviously don't have to go through the same things you're right. saying if, if you're not on that right. level. Now, you mentioned something about the network having their money invested into someone. What does that mean? So there are some, you know, sometimes actors will get these production deals or a holding deal 
Um, I don't know how prevalent they are anymore, but I, I, my assumption is that they still go on where a network will uh, have an interest in an actor. And so what they'll do is they'll say, listen, you know, we we would really like to have a relationship with you. Uh, so ABC says, uh, so we're going to give you seventy five or hundred thousand dollars or whatever, uh, pr- a holding production deal. Right. And so when pilot season comes along, uh, I remember helping out a casting director one time being a reader for for shows. And so there would be certain actors that would come in and go, you know, ABC likes this guy a lot. Right. And so they'll have a deal with that actor. So they'll come in and do something for the, you know, they'll read or, or what have you an audition. And so at that point, if it, if there's, if it comes out between that actor and another actor, since ABC already has a holding deal with this actor, they've already got money invested. So they will go ahead and give it, try to get it to that actor to recruit some of that money, right? Cause that, that money's yeah, already yeah. been paid out. Versus going with the other actor. So now they've paid the holding deal to the first actor. And now you got this other actor in this role. And so then it becomes a little bit complicated. Uh, what I found being in the inside the room on the casting side of it, you know, listening to them talk, some of the producers would resent feeling like an actor was being forced on them. Right. So sometimes, you know, I guess maybe those holding deals can work against you because, you know, the uh, the producers are feeling like they're being force fed something that maybe they didn't necessarily want. But I imagine sometimes it works out. You know, it's kind of like, oh, well, that person's great. You know, okay, ABC wants them. That's great. That's one less, you know, obstacle we got to fight. So boom, that actor's in there. So yeah. So, you know, again, I don't know how prevalent they are anymore, but they used to be quite, quite heavily, you know, prevalent where they have these holding deals. Hmm. Okay. So have you ever been in a situation where you've got, you, they wanted you for the part and they contacted you for a part and then later they rescinded it and gave it to someone else? Uh, yeah. Let me see if it's been that overt or direct. What, what happens a lot or what's been happening a lot lately is they will, they will quote unquote pin you. You know, I'll get a call from my rep mm-hmm. saying, Hey, Kent, they want to pin you for that role. You know, the shooting in Atlanta on the 13th. I was like, okay, cool. So they check your availability and this, that, and the other, right? So mm-hmm. now I've come to, you know, understand, you know, the, the pen doesn't really mean anything other than that you're probably down to the, you know, few final few choices. Because my experience okay. has been like my last six or seven pens have fallen out. And I've joked like, well, damn, what they making these pens out of? Because, you know, mine keep falling out <laughs> the wall, right? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so... It's also one of those things where they will pin you because they have another actor in place that they're trying to work out a deal with. And if that deal falls through, then they want to, you know, turn to you. You know, that's, you know, uh, what's the brother? He doesn't act as much anymore. He married to Tisha Campbell. What is that brother's name? Martin. Oh, he was. Uh, Dwayne Martin. He he was in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Dwayne Martin. So back in the like. 90s early 2000s you know Dwayne was you know huge whatever and there I think maybe two or three roles that I think he was either scheduled to do or up to do that either he had a scheduling conflict and fell out the last minute that then I get a call to say hey you know can they want you to come do this role so sometimes when things will fall out for that brother I would end up rolling into that to that role yeah no it was a good thing right (laughs) so yeah so that's been my my personal experience but I 
you know, usually if a deal memo is sent out to me, then it's pretty much a lock. And, and because at that point, you know, money is involved, right? So if they want to go a different okay. direction, you know, that's cool, but you know, you're going to have to start paying. Even exactly, right? It's, it's like the union rules, right? If, you, if you're sent out, I a think, deal it, or yeah, a I think script. if you get a, a deal memo, you know, where you negotiated okay. a price, you've negotiated shoot dates and that sort of thing, or you have an understanding of the, you know, the shoot dates and the money. And then if they break the deal memo, it's kind of like, okay, well, you, it's not like pay or play, but it's close to pay or play, you know, then there's some compensation. Yeah. And it's just bad business. I don't think people want their reputation to be out there like that, that that's how they work. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you said you're rest. Yes. What, mm-hmm. as an actor, do you prefer people having an agent, a management company, a lawyer? Like when you yeah. say rep, what does For that mean? For me, I, to, have a, you know? I have an agent and a manager, both, right? And my advice is, is that you just want somebody who's actively making calls for you, right? So whoever can make the calls for you and get you in the room, go that route. You know, some people say, well, is it, do you need both? No, you don't necessarily need both. If you got an agent who's, you know, behind you and pushing you, getting the job done. Hey, that's great. That's one less commission check you have to cut. You know, yeah, you know, um, <laughs> but, you know, the agent will probably have maybe, you know, 50 clients on their roster, whereas the manager might have 13. Right. So the manager's vested interest, you know, if they want to eat, you, they need you to work. Right. So hopefully you have a good team. Then the manager and the agent are working in good coordination and collaboration, trying to come up with ideas, how to pitch you, how to get you in, into these rooms for certain projects. So my bottom line is, man, you just want somebody out there making calls on your behalf. Now, there's some agents that, you know, they want clients that are so big that they're not making calls to pitch. They're just answering the phone because people are looking for them, right? That your face has enough value because, you know, when you get to a certain point as an actor that if you're, if you, what they call a bankable face, right? A bankable name, right? So Mm -hmm. that means if I put this person in your project, that means that. I'm more likely to get the money or get it greenlit or what have you. So when you reach that level of status, that level of influence, then you can have representation that's just waiting around getting the calls because they will, you know, right? Because, you know, the producers <laughs> yeah. are looking to, they need another element to help them get their project off the ground. So, so that'd be like a Will absolutely. Smith. Absolutely. Exactly. Denzel, right. Okay. Brad Pitt. Exactly. Like that. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So now what usually comes first, the manager or the agent? You know, it, just like anything, man, it varies from people to people. Like I had okay. my agent before I had a manager, but okay. likely it's more likely now I think that people are trying to get managers and then the managers help them get an agent. That's kind of the way it's okay. kind of going now because it's a little more, it's a little easier to access gain access and attention of a manager than it is an agency. Cause you know, the agent, he's already got clients, you know, they're working, he's, he's already full or near full. And so they, they don't have time to vet and go through and see what's new. So if a, a manager, particularly someone they're already working with, or they already have clients together says, Hey, you know, do you uh, take a look at so-and-so? I don't know if you have anybody that type, you know, are you looking for that type? And so Typically now, I think you're going to have the manager first and then that using that will help you get an agent. 
Okay. So if I am an actor, can I get in a movie like Iron Man or um, any major blockbuster film without an agent? Sure. Look, if you know somebody, great. If you have a personal <laughs> connection with casting that can put you in front of producers, sure. I would say to get in a movie like that, you maybe you were a background player, you know, you were doing background work, extra work, and circumstances happened where they needed you to do something and then your fortune to say, hey, and give them a line, right? And so now you got bumped <laughs> up from background to day player. That's that's kind of like hitting a lotto. That's like, you know, lightning strike, right? <laughs> oh, okay. uh, particularly if it's like a Marvel movie. You know, I, I've actually auditioned for two Marvel yeah. films and the way that they work, man, you don't get a script, you don't get sides, you don't get anything. You have to show up early, sign the non-disclosure agreement. They give you the material, what it is, you know, t- uh, you know, ever however long you need to try to get it together and cuz and which is tough because you don't know what you're reading for. You barely have a sense of what the character is. <laughs> so, so you go in and you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you do your audition and then you, you know, you have to leave the material behind. They are just very, you know, strict about their, you know, not having anything leak out just, you know, for franchises like that. Mm-hmm. So the likelihood of getting something like that without representation, I say, man, that's just slim to none. You know, I, I, your better shot is trying to go be, a, you know, a background extra and, you know, running down the street as New York is collapsing and and you <laughs> and you fall down funny and they go, Oh wait, let's get a shot of that. So I don't know, man. That's that's, that's the only thing I can say about getting that. Oh, okay. So can we hear or know about the two movies that you auditioned for though from our Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, I remember one of them was and only now looking back, I understand what it was. It was that I think I was auditioning for one of the in I can't remember which one it was, but do you remember the scene where Captain America gets into the elevator uh, at the Avengers oh, thing? Yeah, right. So I yeah, think okay, what yeah. was happening was uh, I was going in for one of the roles, one of the featured guys that he was going to be fighting in that elevator that were part of the, I guess, Hydra crew that you come to find out, but you thought that they were part of the, not the Avengers. What was the... Uh, yeah, the other thing, yeah, that shield, right? Yeah, if you were part yeah. of the shield, you know, yeah, organization, yeah. a, a soldier for them. So I think that's what it was. And the other one, mm-hmm. damn, I can't remember what the other one was. I want to say it was it somebody's husband. I don't know. It may come back to me, brother, but I, I do remember the the elevator scene because mm-hmm. it was like at one point in the the sides, and I don't know if they even kept it in the script. You know, Captain America does something, and then the elevator drops, right? with the guys in it. So I, I think that got changed, but that makes me believe that that's what I was auditioning for. And sometimes they'll do that, man. They'll write, they'll write something that won't actually even be in the movie just to throw it off because they don't want anybody getting on Twitter or the internet saying, oh, this is going to happen in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm, so they'll, they'll, they'll actually write up stuff that was not even in, in the movie dialogue that's never going to appear that whole thing. Okay, so what would you suggest to an actor who's listening to this yeah, podcast right now who wants to know how to get more movie work? Yeah. One, I would say, hey, man, when they find out, let them tell me too. 
<laughs> but I would say, okay. you know, what you want to do is it's still about the hustle, you know, get on actors access, mm -hmm. you know, break down services, you know, register for, you know, your category, get the, the casting notices. And when those emails come in, check them out and, you know, submit yourself. These projects, you know, they won't be, you know, Marvel or maybe on those levels, but what you want to do is create a body of work and a, and a, and a body of a network, right? Because, you know, this little small film that you're doing today, you know, that director or producers, you just don't know what they're going to be doing tomorrow, right? And so you just want to build those relationships and, and build, build your body of work. You know, I, to this day, still, you know, something comes through and I'm like, oh, I'll submit for that, right? Um, and I think also because, you know, I'm also a filmmaker, I like helping other people with their independent projects. I like to meet new people, especially young people coming up, mm -hmm. seeing what they're doing, what they're about, because, you know, I'll be honest, I'll be, I, and I'm like, man, she's a really good second AD. The next thing I'm, I'm a, let me, let me keep this context. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm definitely going to call her or I like this sound, you know, this sound guy, mm -hmm. or, you know, this man, she can gaff, man. She's a great grip. You know, she's fast, efficient, this, that, and the other. So, yeah, so I, hmm. I, I use those opportunities to, to meet people, even on the production side. So that, that would be my, you know, just keep hustling, man, and, and keep, keep an eye out on the, the trade, see what projects are gotten greenlit and what's going into pre-production, do a little research, who's casting this, that, and the other, and, and see if you can either send some type of message electronically you know, just trying to stay in their faces, man. Stay in their faces. Hmm. I like that. So are you you mentioned casting yes. sites. Are they worth it? And if they are, which ones are the mm. best ones to be on? Huh. Are they worth it? You know, I don't know. The 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 main one that I'm with and some of like my commercial agent, they you know, they like, they have casting frontier and some other things that you just have to be registered for because that's how you confirm your appointments and stuff. Right. And actively, you know, peruse those trying to look for opportunities, but you know, are they worth it? I would say actors access has been worth it for me in terms of, you know, the jobs that do come through there and the information is there and being able to submit and a lot of times your agents want you to have it because that's part of their submission process as well. You know, whether you'll have, you know, your demo reel and stuff on there. I, I think they're definitely worth trying out uh, and seeing mm -hmm. what kind of success they have. But I think a lot of it still boils down to it still comes back to you. Are, are you working the tool? You know, I don't think any of them are, you know, you sign up and just start paying the money and just sit back. You know, you, you, you have to work them man. you really have to work them. Okay, so that makes sense. So, mm -hmm. as an actor, who do you need to be friends with in order to be able to get those bigger roles? Like, who you need to, you need to be hanging out with the writer or the producers or the executive right. producers or like who's that person you want to be in with? Oh man, you know that's that's tough. You know because I would say you know I honestly have friendships with a lot of let's say influential people, right? But I don't know that any jobs have <laughs> materialized through any of those friendships, man. Um, for mm -hmm. me, at least for me, man, I've had to just go in and audition and, and just try to, you know, slay and try to win the role. I think, yes, knowing, you know, producers and, 
casting people is helpful. But I think at the end of the day, you know, it's a double-edged sword, I think, because if you if you are friendly with someone and they know you in a certain way, project comes through and they're looking at a particular character, you may not strike them as that character, right? They may not be able to see you because you have this mm-hmm. friendship with them, right? And they say, oh, well, that's, you know, that's Kent. Well, he's, you know, he ain't going around killing people. So that I don't know if he's right for that role, <laughs> right? So I don't even know if they're, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, right? So I don't know if they're, you're in their conscious that way. But, you know, they may be like, hey, there's this, you know, you you kind of have the 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 right look, it just a double edge, and and as soon as I say that, and now an anecdote pops into my mind. A good friend of mine, John Cameron, he was a executive producer on Legion, Fargo, and this, that, and the other, and and you know we've known each other for years, and and met again, not realizing we had known each other even years before that. He was the first AD on Men in Black, and we met years oh, later, wow. and just hanging out, we we make that connection. He's like, wait a minute, that was you. I'm like, wait a minute, that was you, right? <laughs> So, yeah, and so we've no been trying way. to get together, trying to get together, have coffee, this, that, and the other, and catch up. And then he finally just said, hey, man, uh, I'm executive producing this show on Legion. There's this role on, of this cop that we need that he gets imploded. So why don't you come do that, and then we can hang out when you're on set, right? <laughs> so so hmm. I was like, okay, sure. So that, that you know, ended up working out. And so we were able to catch up over meals and just, you know, hanging out as they're setting up shots and stuff like that. So in, in that sense, it, it worked out, but okay. I, you know, I, the majority of those friendships just don't, don't do that. I mean, you, what you want is you want to create genuine network relationships and, and friendships. And if a job opportunity comes from that, even better. That's the plus, right? You know, I, I just don't think because right. you don't want to be perceived and, and people can pick up on that energy of like, this is a, you're trying to use me or you're trying to use this relationship, right? Mm. I think it has to be rooted in yeah. something genuine. And if an opportunity provides itself, because there's too many people out here who are already doing that, you know, looking for the bigger, better deal, right? They're hanging out with mm-hmm. a purpose, right? Hanging out with a purpose. And I think that's mm. okay to hang out with the purpose if the purpose is to be, you know, genuine camaraderie, friendship, fellowship. I think that's that part is cool. But if, if you're hanging out just so, you know, they might put me in something, I don't know, man. That rubs me personally, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. Okay. I like that. I like that. So you, you have uh, right. some morals there. You're like, I'm not going to just use, right. use your right. friendship. Exactly. So that's good. So let's say I'm listening right. to this podcast and I'm in. Right Mississippi. On. I want to be yes. an actor. Where should I be? Is is Mississippi a good spot for me? Mm. Should I be in LA? Should I be in New York? Yeah. Should I be in Atlanta? Like what what do you think? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, especially if you're in a place that there's no local activity going on, you know, there's no, let's say, regional local theater you can get involved with, no local commercials or anything being shot, no local filmmakers trying to, you know, put some projects together. Yeah, you and if you don't have interest in being the filmmaker yourself and putting projects together above and beyond shooting a TikTok on your phone, right? It's like, okay, well, there's there's that. Mm-hmm. But if you're trying to be at operate at another level, yeah, you may have to consider going somewhere else. The problem with like jumping to New York or LA, it's one, you know, it's a saturated market. 
it's extremely expensive to live in these places, right? Atlanta is, you know, a viable option. I mean, there is a lot of work that happens in Atlanta, man. I, I honestly, I run into more of my LA people in Atlanta <laughs> when I'm working than I do just running around here in LA. The issue comes down to what roles are available for local hires in Atlanta. And I think it's changing because the, the production base is so broad there and there's a lot of actors who've decided to, you know, go ahead and just transplant there. So, but early on, my experience was that the bigger media roles were being cast in LA and you'd be flown out to Atlanta to work, right? My buddy Brad James from For Better or Worse, you know, he was local in Atlanta and he's had an amazing career in Atlanta. I mean, he's just, he has worked that system to aid. He just recently got a daytime Emmy for nomination for his role on UMC's, um, oh, what is Brad's show? It's a daytime Emmy for digital series. It's on UMC. The name escapes me right now, but Brad has had an amazing career. So, I would say a smaller market like that is 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 viable, particularly if you're in a place where nothing is going on. If there's if you're somewhere that something's going on, like you know maybe Birmingham or something like that, where maybe there's a university that might be have a a cinema school, a small film school. You know you can put your hat in the ring to you know be in student productions or something like that, just to get some experience, maybe get some some tape some for a demo reel. You know I would I would definitely say try those routes first. But yeah, I think you're going to have to go to a different market if there's nothing going on where you are. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So you would say go to where the jobs are. Yeah. And then, and what you also need to go, but also go to go being prepared or go there and get prepared. And by that, I mean, go there and learn what you need to know, know your craft, learn what it is that you're doing, you know, repair yourself as an actor, you know, study, get yourself right. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you may have great natural ability, but, you know, instincts fail. And where, when your instincts fail you, what you have to fall back on is craft and technique to at least to say, how, what do I need to bring to this role to service this part, right? To service this project. And you, you, you have Mm -hmm. to, you need to be able to do that or your time, wherever you go will be Short, and you will in quickly get in the reputation of ah, they're kind of green, you know, they're not they're not ready for prime time, and you will you will hurt yourself. So if you have to go there and spend a year or more studying, being in class, which I think is helpful because you're around other actors, your ears to the ground, you get a sense of maybe you know what agencies are looking for people or what's what opportunities can you have. So those those are those are things that you're going to, you know, you're going to want to do, you know, you don't, you want to go there and be prepared, be prepared before you get there or go there and get prepared. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So mm. what advice would you give 18 year old actor right, right now listening to this and they want to, they want to make it in the industry? What did, What is the first advice that you would give them before they step right. into this industry? The first thing is, you know, I would say is get your, get your head right in the sense to realize that this is going to be a marathon. This is not going to be a sprint, right? There are no shortcuts and there really are no overnight successes. 
anybody that just comes up on your radar, I'm like, oh, where do they come from? I say, if you scratch the surface, you'd be like, oh, man, that cat's been around for a minute, you know, out there hustling or whatever. I think even Denzel has a famous quote says, yeah, it took me 20 years to become an overnight success. And I, mm. I think that's the first thing is to get your mindset right. The second thing is to get your craft prepared, right? Know what you're doing. Be competent, be skilled, because at the end of the day, that's that's what it's going to come down to is that, you know, can you do the job? How, uh, what do you bring into the role? Can the director direct you? How do you take adjustments? Can you give them what they need, right? And then the next mm-hmm. thing is, you know, you know, get your get your instrument right, be your body, be whatever body type that is, you know, get it right and get it ready. And so as if I'm 18, I'm trying to learn, study my craft, try to get my tools together. I'm trying to get my, you know, my headshots lined up so that I have the calling cards uh, ready to compete because that's what it is. It's going to be a huge competition. And you can be gorgeous, you can be handsome or whatever, you know, but if your shots don't display that and they're looking for gorgeous and handsome for this role, where are you? You're dead in the water, right? Um, or if you're more of a character actor, that's that's where you, you know, you want to you want to have your tools right. And your tools are your craft. You want to be prepared. You want to be able to have good shots. You want to have, you know, the tools that are going to make you ready to be employed. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. That's some good advice. So I want to thank you for coming on my show. Yeah, Before I get off, though, I I always like to have um, you know, the some information or to give the fans or the audience members a um, right, some advice, and not just right. for acting, right. just in general. So, what advice would you give people that helped you over mm. the years get to where you are? Wow, um, just general life advice of what's good. I guess uh, my, I, I think what I would try to, or in part is that, you know, I, I try to have every encounter I have with someone, them feeling better than before they met me, right? Trying to be a positive light in somebody's life, right? Whether it's a, a quick smile to, you know, brighten up their day or whatever, or just, you know, in, in any encounter, you know, just trying to spread something positive to the next person. And and that's kind of helped me through. And, and oftentimes that's reciprocated or, or appreciated or I don't know, man, it builds up some good karma for something to, to come my way, you know, in a few minutes or down the road, man. I, I guess that's, that's what I would, you know, try to do is, is, you know, just trying to be a positive influence or an element in, in people that you encounter. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So um, if people wanted to follow you, connect with you, watch your shows, things like that, uh, how would they right be? Right on, man. To, so to all the social stuff? media is pretty pretty much all the same. It's at Kent Falcon, be it Instagram, Twitter, whatever, K-E-N-T-F-A-U-L-C-O-N, you know, Facebook, all that. Yeah, so I post things to kind of hopefully what, you know, I got going on. Actually been doing more directing the last little bit of time and I have two projects that are completed or near completion and getting out there uh, a sci-fi yes yeah tell us uh, so yeah so one is a a sci-fi short film that I wrote and directed for a former castmate of mine who was on the Tyler Perry show with me it's called Just a Phase and we just started 
sending things out to festivals at the top of the year. And, you know, sadly with, you know, Corona and everything, a lot of the festivals are either postponing or canceling or going online or what have you. So, but we're just starting to get some of our first bits of feedback. And so we, we've been accepted to three festivals so far, which has been great. The latest was the San Francisco Black Film Festival. I think they're going to have screening information coming out soon. So that, that's been good, you know, and then Another project is called Brothers in Law, which is a television project with myself and Jason Olive. We're playing two black attorneys in LA, kind of oil and water, odd couple who are forced to try to start this little small law firm together and but they can't stand each other. Mm-hmm. Which is really good. We've we shot the pilot and it's almost finished in production and post-production. So it, it's really good stuff. We've gotten a lot of really good feedback on it. So we're excited about that. And so, yeah, so I, I got those things going on. We'll see. I was actually s- scheduled to go to Atlanta to shoot a, a series that was, I think it was supposed to happen back in March, but that's kind of been put on hold. So who knows what's going to happen with yeah, that exactly, due to the exactly. coronavirus? Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So you, as mm-hmm. a, you know, an actor, you are also yes. a director and a producer. Um, how mm-hmm. is that transitioning from an actor to a director? Uh, honestly, you know, <laughs> what it's done for me is it's made me appreciate the acting for not the relative ease, but the, the mental space that I'm able to give the acting that I don't have to. It's easier for me to do the acting. Let me put it that way. Because, you know, as an actor... Well, as a director and a producer, I, I have to be worried about everything, right? I am concerned about everything, mm. schedule, production, angles, light, making the day, money that's being spent, worrying about this actor. Are we getting the moments that we need? This, that, and the other. So when I'm an actor and all I got to do is just show up and, you know, stand on this little X and make you believe something, it's kind of like a vacation. I was like, oh, I don't have to worry about, you know, the transportation truck didn't get here and we, we, you know, we can't put the dolly tracks down. You can't get that shot. Can, you're going to have to redo your shot list and this, that, the other. Or, you know, this actress is struggling a little bit with this line. She, this moment doesn't quite feel right. Is it the actor? Is it the writing? Is it the, you know, I don't have to worry about that today. All I got to do is sit in, you know, my trailer, go to craft service and nibble on something and then come out here and, and do this. So, but, you know, it also it makes me appreciate as an actor, I appreciate what the director and producers are going through. So, you know, my job as a team member, as a cast member is to, is to help them. So I have a better understanding of what they need and, you know, I can hopefully fulfill it, you know, better, more efficiently and, you know, be an asset, you know, because I, listen, I know the struggle that they're in. So it, it allows me to, you know, to know what's going on from both sides. Okay. So this show that you talked, the movie Mm -hmm. that you did with your castmate. Yeah, Where so we we'll, we're going to be doing our festival run. And I think with the San Francisco Black Film Festival, since they might be doing it virtually, I'm going to have screening dates soon. So I will post, you know, what they were actually going to do when they when you have access to it. And you can uh, you can probably view it there as things are opening up and people are venturing out and hopefully everybody can do it safely, you know, at these other festivals. You know, when we get some screening dates and times, you know, I'll put it out there as well to, to be seen. And and eventually, you know, they've been talking about trying to use it as a springboard into a series. So we've been working on developing that and, and got that package ready. So I, I'm excited about that. And 
the possibilities for it. We've done some photo shoots for it already. And so, yeah, so either you'll see it living in its short film form or we will use this to hopefully turn it into sci-fi action series. We'll take it from there. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. And and listen, keep the faith to all the young actors and artists out there. You know, listen, it's, it's a hard road. And if you... If it's what you love and it's what you be about, you you don't mind the journey, right? And you don't mind it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of How to Build a Somebody Brand with Kent Falcon today. And I'll see you guys next week for another episode.